Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. Our next gathering is Advance on the 23rd and the 24th of September. We have special guests Lily and Abe DeFin, Kent Maddox and Trevor Baker. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. I'm so full of this message. We started it last week uh, talking about the present circumstances comprised of the consequences of our choice of the past. Shall I say that again? Our present circumstance is comprised of the consequences of our choice in the past. And we used an analogy, a parable of at a restaurant when you order your meal and the waiter comes to you and says, do you want to review your order? And as we're getting ready for tabernacles, as we're getting ready for advance, I feel like the world is already making changes. As Trevor said, there's a course correction that's coming. God is going to change the course. There's already things coming, but God is giving us this divine moment of grace to review our faith. And he wants to say to you, are you full of faith for what's coming? Because if you aren't, I've got good news for you. There is someone who holds the rope and he is always faithful. Even if you feel like, I don't have enough faith for this season, God holds your rope and He is faithful. He is full of faith and He wants to impart that today. So there are seeds of faith that are coming. I I enjoyed reading this week. Uh, Have you ever heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Okay. So when we say the word Nobel, the name Nobel, everyone thinks peace. I was blown away as I read about his life this week in the 1800s. Do you know what he was actually famous for in his lifetime? He was the man who invented dynamite. He was someone who made weapons of warfare. And here's what happened. In 1888, he had a brother called Ludwig. Just like the drum kit there, Ludwig. Make great, great drums. And Ludwig Nobel died. And a French newspaper thought that Alfred Nobel had died. And so they published the eulogy that they had prepared for this man. And Alfred woke up one morning, boiled eggs at the table, cup of coffee, and he read the newspaper. And the French newspaper said, Alfred Nobel died today. The man who found ways to kill people faster than anyone else and get rich at it, the merchant of death, has passed away. And do you know what? He had the opportunity to review his life. In that moment, he had a rare opportunity to see what people really think of him, to see what his legacy was going to be like, to see what the consequences of his choices in his lifetime was leaving behind him. And do you know what he did? Of course we know what he did because he turned around. He had a change of heart. He realized, I can't be known for this anymore. He invested the equivalent of 250 million U.S. dollars back then. That was his wealth into funds to fund peace prizes. And all this time later, what do we think of when we think of Nobel? The peace prize. He had a chance to turn his life around. He had a chance to change what his legacy was going to be. He had a chance to review what his life was about. And I want you to know, church, there might be things that we're going through that if we continue in this with what we're facing, we're going to come into a crash. There's going to be things that we're going to struggle with. There's going to be things that we're going to experience that God who's holding the rope doesn't want you to experience. And he's saying now is the chance for you to review with faith what you're about to step into. And one of the things that I really believe can, can hinder us stepping into that is this thing called worry. And if you want to turn with me, here's our reading for this morning. Luke chapter 12. Let's read from verse 22. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And I'm going after worry today. I'm going after things that we worry about. I'm going after anxiety. I'm going after things that we can sometimes put in the way of faith because God has got a seed that we're going to plant today. At the end of today, we're going to plant something. And let me tell you this, I know I'm talking fast, but that's because at one o'clock today in Dudley Town Hall, there is going to be a proclamation. There is going to be a proclamation of the new king. And I want to invite you, if you want to join us, I'm going to try and get down there. It all depends if I speak quick enough. So that's on me only. I'm going to get there. I want to be there and I want to hear it. Because what 
We are proclaiming a new king over our country. But as God did in the worship, did you hear the sound of praise that there is a king who reigns? Above every throne, Jesus Christ. There's a king who reigns above every mind, above every heart, above every soul, above every thought, above our land. And we say, Jesus, reign. Would you come and course correct our nation to reign with you? All right, you ready? Luke chapter 12, verse 22. This is the words of Jesus. He said to his disciples, For this reason I tell you, do not worry about your life as to what you are to eat nor for your body as to what you are to wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Any teenage boys out there? Life is more than food. <laughs> My son Ben, he turns 12 and 13, sorry, <laughs> in a couple of months, and he eats. Wow. If there ever a reason to worry, it's if our pantry is going to go bare with teenagers around. There's, life is more than food, Ryan. Life is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds, and which of you by worrying can add a day to his lifespan? Therefore, if you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about the other things? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither labor nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these." Now, if God so clothed the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, do not seek what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink and do not keep worrying for all these things are what the nations of the world eagerly seek. And your father knows that you need these things, but seek his kingdom and these things will be provided to you. Do not be afraid, little flock. Do not be afraid, big flock. Do not be afraid, revival fires, because your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourself money belts that do not wear out, an inexhaustible treasure, inexhaustible treasure, inexhaustible treasure. Are you hearing these words? Inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near, nor does a moth destroy. For where your treasure is there, your heart will also be. Amen. So Jesus talks about worry. And I want you to know the first thing here is that Jesus isn't giving suggestions. Jesus is giving commands for our life. Jesus isn't just good advice. Jesus is speaking truth for us to obey and to follow. He says, do not worry. And the word worry, it actually means to be drawn into opposite directions. It actually means to be divided into parts, to be pulled into pieces, to be distracted, to be troubled. I wonder if you've ever experienced that feeling. When you know that you're meant to be focused on one thing, but a seed of worry, not a seed of faith, a seed of worry comes. And you find yourself spinning and whirling and wondering, why can I not focus? Because that's what worry does. It's actually to be pulled in opposite directions. And that's the very thing the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract and he wants to divide. He wants to separate us from what God has said over our lives, from heaven's supply. He wants to separate us from the future and the destiny that God is speaking over your life, even in this season, even today, as we're stepping into so many new things. I love this quote by Corrie Ten Boom. She says, worry is a cycle of inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. Doesn't that describe it well? Worry is a cycle of inefficient thoughts, whirling around a center of fear. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, Jesus, I want to kick all worry out of my life. If there's a center in my life, as we talked about, gather, grow, go, it's Jesus Christ. And if I center my life on him, that's not what I want. So what are the things that we worry about? Jesus listed in Luke chapter 12 here so succinctly. There's things that we worry about consist of two categories. Number one. What are we going to put in? What are we going to put in? And number two, what are we going to put on? 
we worry about these two things. What are we going to put in? What food are we going to put in our mouths? What money are we going to put into our banks? What future are we going to put into our destiny? What thoughts are we going to put into our mind? And what are we going to put on? These are things like our clothes, our cars, our houses. You know, that's what we do when we, when we make those choices. We're putting on things. We're putting on most importantly, what we want other people to think of us as well. These are the main things that we worry about. What are we going to put in our hearts? And what are we going to put over and clothe ourselves with in our lives? When we worry, we put in doubt into our lives, not faith. And when we worry, we put on fear our lives, not faith. God wants us to change the way that we do things. He doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to put worry in by creating doubt or putting worry on by being clothed with fear. He wants to shift us into his new future. I don't know about you, but what are some of the things that maybe we worry about? Have I made the right decision? Just even think, coming up to what we're facing, are there worries in your life? Are there things that you're thinking and holding? And, and you know it's a worry, when it cycles around and you can't seem to get control of it. You know it's a worry when it cycles around and it doesn't seem to land on the truth that Jesus says in his word about those things. You know it's worry when it actually creates a fruit of fear in your life, fruit of distraction. Have you, have you had those things? We all worry about different things. I'm not a without my own worries as well. None of us have been without it, but I'm grateful for a couple of things because I know what God has done in my life. I'm going to share some testimonies in a minute. And that gives me a seed of faith instead of the weed of worry. And I know what God has done for me, He can do for you as well. But what are some of those things? Have I made the right decision? Some of us are starting new uh, educations, new jobs. We're, we're moving houses. There's so many things that can happen. That, that, that we are stepping into, that we are stepping into. And we can worry, have I made the right decision? Decisions are things that we can worry about. Are we going to make ends meet this month? Will there be enough? You know, it's not just something we hear in our homes and with our friendship groups and in the life groups. I went to get my hair cut the other day and I knew that my hairdresser was going on holiday because I went to try and get it cut a number of times and she wasn't there. And I was in desperate need. Talk about worrying about how you look. No one ever seems to notice the things I notice at the back of my hair, except for me. It can cause a bit of worry sometimes. But I had a good conversation with her. She's cutting my hair, and I knew she was on holiday. So I thought, let me ask you how your holiday was. Isn't it a great thing when we go on holiday? Okay, this meal table is getting a bit quiet, friends. Isn't it a great thing when we go on holiday? It should be a good thing, right? So how was your holiday? And she was, and it was the worst thing ever. I can't believe how bad it was. And I was thinking, number one, did it rain? Like, that's the first thing you go to. Number two was maybe there's some health issues. You know, that, that's another one. You know, so why? Why was it so bad? And you know what she said? I had to stop working to go on holiday. And while I wasn't working, I was paying rent with for something that wasn't bringing money in. And now I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. And you know what? That is, I'm not making sure I'm fun of her, but I'm saying it because it's an, a truth that can echo in so many of our hearts in this season. Whether it's in your season or not, I praise God and bless God that you don't have to go through that. But at the same time, as a body, we all feel things together. I want you to know that there are people who feel like that. This is a very real need. But I want you to know heaven's got very real answers for you. Heaven's got very real steps for you to take because God is not letting go of that rope. Our God's got us. Even as we walk through the high street, as you walk through the shopping malls, as you walk through your colleagues at work, as you walk through the school lines in the daytime, I want you to know that you're going to sense these things. And the way the enemy wants to work is he wants to put the worries of the world upon you. Because what can happen after my haircut? I can have a really good looking haircut. I can leave there feeling really good. And as you're walking home, you start to think, wow, she's really worried about finances. Do I need to check everything's okay in my account? Um, hello? Are you guys there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the worries that we hear in the world around us, the enemy wants to come and infect us with them. But God has given us a cure for worry. Um, I hope nothing breaks the things we worry about. What will I do if it does? What if I say things wrong? What if I get things wrong? We worry about our wallets 
I've got one for the woman. We panic about our purses. Even school, this, is, this astounds me. With my kids going back to school, so good to connect with them, so good to pray for them. And I want you to know at the end of today, we've got an amazing prayer for your children. It's in reception. Just take a sheet. We've, there's a video as well that's coming out, and it's how to pray for your children in this new year ahead. It's wonderful. You can take it with you. But even as we're getting ready, talking to my, my daughters, and you know what it astounds me? We don't have to teach children how to worry. They know how to do it. How do they know? It's, it's the fallen nature of mankind. They know. But what I get to teach them is what to do with that worry. And if I'm not careful, if I could reinforce their worries. And what we actually do is we teach them how to worry more. But even for our, our children and the rising generation, there are worries that they have put on. There's worries and fears that they hold. And why is worry so important? Why did Jesus want us to talk about worry? Why am I talking about worry today? And here's why I want you to know this. Because worry deals in the unseen realm. Jesus linked faith to worry. Did you see that in the scripture? He said, you of little faith, do not worry. He made a direct connection between these two. And I find myself as I'm studying and praying, Lord, why did you make this direct link? And he says, because both of them deal with the unseen realm. If you can worry, you can move in the unseen realm. So often we think, Ryan, I want to have faith. I want to have faith like the, t- the preachers I hear on the podcast. I want to have faith to move in the things. But I, all I can seem to do is worry. I've got good news for you. If you can worry, you're already moving in the unseen realm. You just have to reactivate it into God's faith. That's all you have to do. You see, faith is knowing that God will work the best with the unseen and the non-yet. Faith is knowing that God will work the best with the unseen and the not yet. But worry is thinking the worst will happen. With the unseen and the not yet. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of sorrows, but it empties today of strength. God wants us to activate the unseen realm. Do you remember last week? Set your eyes on things unseen, not things that are seen. Because things that are seen are temporal, but things that are unseen are eternal. I'm going to add this one to you. This is for free. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Are you getting free this morning? If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Here we are worrying, thinking, oh, how am I going to make this, these ends meet? How am I going to get it through this term? How am I going to keep it together through what I've gone on at work today when my children come home? How am I going to be full of faith for them? Well, stop worrying about it and just activate the unseen realm. Say, Jesus, what are you giving me right now in the midst of what I'm going through? It's the same realm. The enemy wants to blind you. And say, you can't move in any other realm. But when we worry, we're moving in the unseen realm. Are you ready to shift it this morning? Do you want to shift it? Do you want to shift into something new? We're going to sift and we're going to shift. And I want to tell you the other thing that happens here is that worry has an ugly sister. (laughs) You've all heard of Cinderella. Cinderella is faith, right? And then worry, there's ugly sisters. Worry, and here it is, regret. Regret also deals in the unseen realm. Here's what it does, though. You see, worry looks to our own strength and supply, and it's an attempt to control. But regret looks to the past with pain and remorse. Worry looks to the future with hopelessness and fear, and regret looks in the past. And if the enemy can keep you trapped anywhere, he'll keep you trapped with this. In the unseen realm, but God has come to set you free in the unseen realm because faith looks to Jesus. And I I just want to, I want to just spend a minute on this, you know, regret. God has set me free from some regret. There's been times, I'm going to be totally honest with you, a couple years ago when I've, I've made decisions and I've done things, I thought, God, why have I done that? I've missed my moment. If only I had done that. If only I had been on that, made that phone call when that guy was available for me. If only I had made that conversation. I would, I would be where you want me to be because I don't know if I'm where you want me to be, God. And I was living in regret. And you know that it can become crippling when your spouse comes to give you good advice. And say, what, why are you thinking like that? What are you going through? And I had a choice then to continue in an unseen realm of regret and worry. Or just to go to the unseen realm of the Word of God. And the scriptures and say, Lord, what are you saying about this? And I want to tell you, I had the most freeing study on regret. Did you know that even God himself regretted things? God himself regretted making man. God himself regretted making Saul the king. 
But did God stay in a place of regret? Let me tell you what, what God did. He repented. Whoa, hold on. Hold on a second. God repented. What? God doesn't do anything wrong. He's never made a mistake in his life. So what does it mean? It doesn't mean that he said, sorry, would you forgive me? It meant he said, I'm going to turn around from this decision that I've made. And regret, when it's godly, is the most powerful change agent in your life. If you allow God to speak with you, to say, God, just as you regretted, would you teach me this? And don't hold it in the unseen realm, but take it to the realm of faith. God will shift it and turn it around. And it says in Corinthians, I've got it later. I'll put it on the Facebook if you want. Good uh, suffering leads to faith and leaves no regret. If you're still struggling with regret in your life, I want you to know that you haven't yet submitted it to Jesus. If you're dealing with worry in your life, I want you to know that there is a place of faith even for you today. And I can stand here and my testimony is that I have no regrets because God is working out my future and I am agreeing with him with fear and trembling. God is working out my salvation day by day. God has got a good path for me. He's holding the rope. And if he can do that for me, guess what? He's done that for you. There is no more regret. We're going to break down these two ugly sisters. We're going to kick them out of our lives today. Worry, you're leaving. Regret, you're leaving. I want you to know that worrying is a hard labor that Jesus never called you to do. We've just read in Luke, the lilies, they neither labor labor nor spin. God didn't call them to do all this hard work. But what worrying does is it it becomes like hard labor. I want to set you free this morning. You don't need to be caught in the hard labor of worrying, in the hard labor of being pulled in the opposite direction of God's grace for your life. You see, worrying, it looks to our own strength and supply, but faith looks to Jesus. That's a a tiring place to be when we continue trying to make things work ourselves. When we're the ones who we think, I've got to get myself out of this mess, or I've got to solve this problem, or I'm the one who's got to work out my healing, and we can begin to worry about things. And it's a hard labor that God never called you to. God called you to the grace of his presence that we access by faith. That's what he's called us to. He hasn't called us to that cycle of inefficient thoughts. Corrie Ten Boom, I don't know, she's just the best with worry quotes. Listen to this. God hasn't called us to hard labor with worry, okay? Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you a whole lot to do, but takes you nowhere. God doesn't want us there anymore. Worrying, 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 worrying. What are you doing? I'm worrying. I'm so worried about my future. What are you doing about it? I don't know. It seems to be working really well. Just sitting here worrying about it. Get off the rocking chair. God has got faith for us for the future. Worrying is an attempt to control. You know, in fact, what worry does is it creates idolatry in our lives. This one, oh, this one, this one, when God puts it on your heart and he says, when you worry, Ryan, you're actually setting up idolatry in your lives. I'll be honest with you. Ooh, that touches a nerve. But God touched the nerves because I want to be changed. God touched the nerves because just like you repented, you turned. I want to turn. I don't want to be caught in this anymore. Here's what happens. Time spent worrying keeps us from focusing on the main thing. And what is the main thing? Jesus said it in Luke 12. Seek first the kingdom of God. He didn't command us, do not worry, because there's nothing to worry about. I love this. You know some of the worst advice you can give people worrying? I'm going to come here again, because that was quite fun. What are you doing? I'm just worrying. Just worrying about what's going to happen in my life. I think I'm worrying about how bad my hair looks right now. That's okay. Just worrying. I'm just worrying. The worst advice you can get is, hey, stop worrying. But that's not changing anything. Stop worrying. That's bad advice. Jesus never comes and says, stop worrying. He says, do not worry, not because there's nothing to worry about. He says, do not worry because my Father knows all your needs. Give him praise for that. He says, do not worry because what you're worrying about is is unimportant. What you're concerned for the future, forget about it. I'm not concerned for your future. God's concerned for your future. You're concerned about your bank account. Don't worry about it. That's not important. It's true. It's not true. It's so important. God never said, don't worry, because there's nothing to worry about. He said, don't worry, because he's holding the rope. My father knows your needs. Let me talk to you a little bit about why it sets up idolatry. Because there is a war in two kingdoms, and the world is 
what the world eagerly seeks and what God wants us to seek, okay? And when we live in the world of that kingdom that's shaking, we worry. See, worry is the weapon of the worldly kingdom. It fights against us. There's two kingdoms at battle, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. God said, do not, this is what the people of the earth seek. Let me read it for you again because I want to get it right. God said, Jesus said, in verse 30, For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. Seek his kingdom first, and then here's the biggest punchline. All these things will be added to you. Say that with me. All these things will be added to you. In the scripture alone, there's two references to King Solomon. We've had prayers from King Solomon in the worship as well. And I just want you to catch this because it's so powerful. Jesus talks about the lilies being clothed with more beauty than King Solomon. He was one of the wealthiest men in the history of men. He, he had wealth, gold. It says of Solomon that he made silver like a common item. Can you imagine that? They would eat out of gold bowls. Talk about being dressed with luxury, being, being full of all the blessing. And he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Solomon was offered by God. Remember, we're in a season of reviewing. What are we going to be asking for? What are we, God is reviewing our lives. Are we reviewing our faith? What are we going to be setting up for our future? Solomon had worshipped God and God appeared to him in the night in a dream or a vision. It was, it was there in the night. It was revelatory. It was the unseen realm becoming visible. And he said to Solomon, what do you want? And here's Solomon. I mean, we, we think of like genie in the lamp, right? God, man, I can have anything I want. What do I want? But he asked wisely. He said, God, I want wisdom. He, see, he seeked first, he sought first the kingdom of God. And what did God say? God said, Solomon, I'm going to give you what you request. But because you didn't ask for wealth and riches and honor and splendor, but you asked for the kingdom, I'm going to give you those things as well. Church, I want you to know that when we align our lives correctly, God is not saying don't worry because it's not important. He says, I've got all of this for you. It's here for you. He's got provision for you. He's got resources for you. He's got breakthrough for you. But the access is through the door of faith. The axis is when we move in faith. The axis is when we plant the seeds of faith. I just want to say that again to you. Worry is the weapon of the worldly kingdom. When we worry, we don't realize that we're actually empowering the kingdom of the world within us rather than the kingdom of God. So it's time to de destroy idolatry. It's time to focus on the kingdom because God knows your needs. In fact, this is how it works. Your needs will make you aware of the seed that you need to sow. We worry about the need. Lord, I really, really need this. You know, when I got married, uh, it was a long time ago. Now, 18 years ago, we needed a house. And I'm going to share a story about that in a minute. And I wasn't worrying about the house, thinking, God, I don't want to live in a cardboard box outside the church. At least I get lots of good arms offerings. I needed a house. God knew my need. But my need is the very thing that created the uh, field for my seed to go in. What do you need? Take them your needs to God. God wants you to be real with him about your needs. Don't ignore them because your need actually reveals the seed that you need to start to plant. And what we do is if we don't realize that step, we actually live in idolatry because the thing that we need becomes the most important thing that we want to focus on rather than focusing on the kingdom. And if we focus on the kingdom, God gives us everything that we need. I have an, do I have, is there an amen for that? Who am I speaking to today? Is someone catching this? Yeah? So we have to seek first the kingdom. So how then do we overcome worry? The first thing I want to just point out to you is the word that Jesus used. He said, consider. Say consider. 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 God wants you to sift and to shift your thoughts. If we're going to change worry, the first thing we need to do is, like I said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. If we are what we eat, then we become what we think. There is a logic of our thoughts that come when we remove worry out the way. I'm talking a lot about the unseen realm. If you want something to read this weekend, Hebrews 11. 
It's all about the unseen realm. The writer of Hebrews starts off by saying this. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. And he goes on to list heroes of faith. And as you read it, my eyes were opened. Every one of them was what they did in the unseen realm. Every single one of those heroes of faith had the opportunity to worry. But instead, they chose in the unseen realm to move in faith. So how we think sets up how we're going to live and what we're going to receive. There is a logic. And it says of Moses in Hebrews eleven nineteen, 19, as I'm talking about, he said that Moses reasoned with God. There is a reasoning that we can put in our minds. There is a time when actually faith seems logical. When faith is in place, God's commands are logical. When worry reigns, they seem foolish. Do you want me to say that again? That's a point for our minds right now. When faith is in place, God's commands seem logical. There's a reasoning to it. There's a system because we understand the power of heaven. But when we have worry in place, God's commands seem foolish. Is there anything that you think and you read in the Bible or you hear a preacher, you might have been hearing me and you're thinking, Ryan, but that seems foolish. It seems foolish to forget to give up that worry. I want you to know that's because worry is in place right now. And God's got his finger on your heart because he's wanting to put faith in place. He wants to reign in faith. And then you'll see that there is a logic. So we need to meditate on God's word. Meditate by worship. The other thing we can do is prayer. Let me read this to you from Philippines chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. I love the way these guys write. I mean, it's like writing a song. Talk about good lyrics. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Your need helps you shape your seed. Don't make your need become your idol. Don't make the need become the source of your worry. But take that and say, God, I'm going to plant a seed of faith in the midst of this place. Any concern too small to be turned into prayer is too small to be made into a burden of worry. So often we think, oh, it's just a small thing, but we, we spend all this time worrying about it and we never turn it into prayer. If we don't think it's big enough to turn into prayer, don't let it worry you. Or turn it into prayer. Turn everything into prayer. You know, some of the most prayerful nations and praying nations are the nations who have the most need. Think about that. Are we aware of our need? Because that will be the very thing that we turn into prayer. God, turn us into a nation of prayer, even as you're course correcting. I want you to know your value to God. Jesus says that you are worth more than a sparrow. Jesus gave his life for you. For the things that you put in, Jesus gave his life for you. You were so valuable that you can put into yourself, not just the food you eat, not just the money in your bank account, but you can put in the Holy Spirit. That's how valuable you are. You are so valuable. God gave his only son who died on a cross so that you can be clothed. You can put on his righteousness. You can put on his destiny. You can put on his hope for your life. You can put on his future. And we worry about the things we put and we put put in and we put on. I want you to know your value. You are so valuable to God. You are more valuable than the birds, than the grass of the fields. You are the most valuable thing. You are the jewel of his creation. And he has given his life for you so that you don't have to worry. But instead, it's time to activate the unseen realm. And this is the the final point before we move on. And that is what you worry about actually, actually reveals where your heart is. Jesus links overcoming worry to where we align our earthly treasure. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. He says, do not be afraid. Your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. And as a result of this, sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourself money belts, which do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What you worry about, it actually reveals where your heart is at. And I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the things that worry us are financial. How do I know? Because Jesus talks about it. He wants us to be free. But remember, he's not saying it because you don't have need of finance. He's saying that is the need. What is the seed that you're going to turn it into? Don't be worried about those things. 
You see, Jesus links worry to where we align our earthly treasure. So to shift our worry to faith, we need to shift our treasure to heaven. And can you feel that? Can you feel it even in the room today? There is a shift that happens when we worry about things in the physical realm. We have to shift it by aligning our treasures, not here, but in heaven. We shift our priority to the kingdom of God. So today we're going to plant seeds of faith. And we're going to pull up weeds of worry. You know, worry is a weed, faith is a seed. If you want to put a title in the top of your notes, how about that? That sounds good. Worry is a weed, but faith is a seed. And I've, I've spent this week praying, I almost said worrying about how the sermon is going to come across. Because we're being honest right now. There's moments where we, where we worry, man, Lord, have I heard your voice right? Is this the word? You know, I'm going to stand up and speak in front of everyone and it's going to be on the stream forever. Oh, my head doesn't look too bad. You know, and we, we worry about the, th- the things and we have to. We ha- even as preachers, as leaders, I want you to know that we have to bring our worries to a place of faith. That we have to bring the things and say, God, I just want to hear you louder than anything else, Father. I want to hear your words for your people. God, I want to be, be obedient to your voice. And so I was in that frame of mind Thursday morning. I took my car in to get a wash. And I went to pay, and I had no cash in my wallet. That's a, um, that's a symptom of being a parent. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> there was 60 pounds the day before, um, but 60 divided by 3 is perfect 20. And I have three kids, and they just thought, this is great. <laughs> so it's a symptom of being a parent. I had my, my wallet was empty, so I thought, I'm going to walk to the ATM. I walked to the ATM. It was closed. I had to walk to another one in town. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to turn this walk into a lovely prayer walk. And I'm praying about this message. I'm praying, Lord, I believe that there's a seed of faith. Would you just speak to me? I want to see a vision of what a seed of faith looks like. And I'm walking past a drain. And it's a bit stinky. There's rubbish in there. It's nasty. But there's a beautiful buddleia plant sprouting out of the drain. And I'm, Lord, just speak to me about the seed. God, speak to me about the seed. And I cross the road. And at the edge of the pavement and the road, there's a little bit of dirt that's just been left there by all the cars driving past. And there's another buddleia plant growing in the edge, in the shallow soil. And I'm praying, Lord, speak to me about the seed. And I turn the corner and I do a cut through. I go down a road I've never been on before. You know, it's good sometimes to go down roads you've never been on before. And I look up and there's a wall that at one point was strong and full of protection, but it's crumbled and it's breaking down. And up top there in the wall, there is a buddleia tree. I mean, this thing isn't even a plant. It's a tree. Somehow its roots have crawled along the little run of concrete, and they're drawing all they need, and it's full of flowers. It's in beautiful bloom in the middle of busy Dudley. Because I looked up, you see, and there's butterflies flying around it, and I'm finding myself, Lord, speaking about the seed of faith. And he says, Ryan, have you seen? Ryan, have you seen? Budlier. God wants our lives to bud and he wants our lives to blossom. And there's parts in our lives where we live in the gutter of worry and we worry about what, what's been through, what's passed through our lives. There's been times when we worry about the walls that have been broken down, when the things that we thought were going to provide for our future have failed, when things that we thought we've put up for our protection haven't worked. There's been parts in our hearts where, where we feel shallow, where we feel that when we come up against stressful moments, there's shallow grace. There's parts in our hearts where we feel we come into relationships, there's shallow love, and we want God to to put deeper depths in our hearts, but it's in those places that the buddleia took root and it grew. And I want you to know that there is a rampant, radical seed of faith that God wants to plant in every area of your life. Whether it's hanging, clinging to a wall, and you might feel that you're clinging on, trying to make that leap of faith with the tips of your fingers, if you could just cling on, God wants you to know there is a seed that I have, that he wants to plant, that in fact we get to plant today, friends. We get to plant, that we're going to plant, that is rampant, that is radical, that can live in any condition, and it will grow in the deep, deepest, darkest drains of our hearts. It'll grow in the highest places, in the areas that we feel have become ruins, or even in the areas we feel are shallow. God wants us to know that there is a seed. There is a seed. And the Bible talks about a mustard seed of faith. 
Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved. And he also talks about the mustard seed in light of the kingdom. But I want you to see it's something that once it's planted, it grows up and it creates a shelter. I want you to get a picture of your life in this season. Church, your life is called to be a shelter for people around you. Your life is called to be fruitful for people around you. Your life is called to be a place where the birds of the air can come and rest. Your life is called to be a place where there are beauty of flowers on display of God's glory. And how do we get there? By planting a seed today. I started off last week by talking about my testimony, um, about how faith has proved by difficulties and proved by trials. And today is a day when we get to plant seeds. Today is a day to make choices of faith for our future. And one of the things that happened was there was a man who came and preached at church. His name was Mark DuPont. And he spoke about the seed of faith. And he, he preached that God gives seed for the sower. Seed that will take us into what? And open up a way for us. And we had a need, Anna and I. We had a need. We were getting married. I joked already, but I really wanted to live in a house. Didn't want to make myself a little box or a little... We're coming up to tabernacles. What do they call that thing when you make with... Uh, Booths. I didn't want to live in a booth. I wanted a house. I was a student. I had a great need. My wife was a student. We had a great need for finance. And this man stood on the stage and preached about the seed of faith. And he was so bold to say that if you don't even have a seed today, I've got five pound notes. And he laid out, I think it was five five pound notes on the front of the stage. If you don't have a seed, you can come and you can take this five pound note and you can plant it as a seed of faith for God to supply your need. I don't think you said it quite like that, but this is how God's reminding it to me because it sounds good, doesn't it? And I wasn't too ashamed to go and pick up that seed. I ripped aside from worry. What are people going to think of me? I ripped aside from fear. Lord, I don't have much right now, but if you're giving me a seed, I'm going to take a hold of that. And I grabbed that five-pound note. I put it in the envelope. I wrote on it, seed of faith for a house. Now, remember what I said. There's a logic of faith. You can look at that five-pound note in an envelope and think, that is crazy. How is that a seed for a house? How can you write house on the envelope and inside there's a five-pound note? I'll tell you how. Because I was planting a seed of faith that saw in the unseen realm. And I could see with those eyes what God was saying to me. And you can think that seems foolishness. Friends, today we're going to do something that will offend your flesh. Because it's foolishness to the world. But there is another kingdom operating here today. And it's a kingdom activated by faith. And we are going to plant seeds of faith for our future. And I sowed that. I wrote house on the envelope, I went to Anna afterwards. I said, Anna, I sowed a seed of faith for a house. And she was so pleased for me. Come on. That's how you should be in your relationships. We didn't know what was going to happen next. What happens when you plant a seed? You wait. And you watch it with prayer. Jesus, you know my need. I need a house. I've just immigrated from Africa. I hardly have 250 P's to run together. But someone gave me five pounds and I sowed it to you, Lord Jesus. Let me tell you, I was living in a student accommodation, so it's not like I had a front door or a post box. But one night, I went to bed, and underneath the door, I heard the the shuffling of carpet, and an envelope was slid underneath my door. I got up, and I checked the envelope, and do you know how much money was in there? 500 pounds cash. Anonymous. Anonymous. Now, you guys, anyone good at maths here? You know, 10%, that's a really good figure for tithing. I looked at 500 and, and I sowed five and I thought, wait a minute, that's a hundredfold increase. God wants you to know this is good soil for your seeds today. There's a soil here, it's called the kingdom of God, that when you sow, you can get fruitful increase. And I was overwhelmed. I went to Anna, 500 pounds. We actually needed a car as well. Let me tell you, any young couples getting married, there's a lot of needs. <laughs> Do you guys remember those days? We needed a car, I needed a guitar, I always need a guitar. And so we had 500 pounds, and I'm thinking, Anna, this could buy us a new Renault Clio. Man, wow, we could get a new car with this, or I could get another guitar with this. I mean, like, what could I do with 500 pounds? And we sensed God saying to us, will that buy you a house yet? Hmm, no, not yet, not even in Dudley. (laughs) Dudley's on the up, friends. Investors, Dudley's on the up. This is the place to be. 
So we said, okay, God, what is it then? And he reminded us, it's a seed. It's still a seed. So we talked with each other. We said, God, what are we going to do with our seed? We have faith for a house. This isn't enough for a house yet. If you're sowing and you're sowing and you haven't seen the fulfillment yet, keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. Keep on moving in faith. And so we talked with each other and we realized there was a couple in church who had just got married and they had just managed to get a mortgage. He was a driving instructor and she was a language teacher. And we thought, what we're going to do, we're going to pay for their mortgage for a whole month. We're not going to tell them who it was. We're just going to do the same thing, envelope under the door. It seems to work really well. We wrote an envelope, slid on their door. This is for your mortgage only. God bless you. (laughs) Don't go wasting my seed now. (laughs) And they must have. Because they were very happy. They gave a great testimony at church that Sunday. You'll never believe it. God paid for our mortgage this month. And we're like, get in. Something's coming. (laughs) Over the next three months, I want you to know, because in the natural seeds can grow slow. But when you sow in the kingdom of the soil, there's an acceleration that can happen. And that's what I feel. I want you to know that God is calling us to sow today. In three months, we had three separate people come to us who had sold properties. One was a grandparent. Two were just friends. One was an accountant. They had sold property. And from the equity of their property sale, they heard God say, that portion is for Ryan and Anna. And in three months, we had enough money, I'm talking hard cash, to put down as a deposit on our first house. Thank you, Jesus. That's what Jesus can do when you throw aside worry in the midst of what you're going through. And you say, what is the seed I'm going to sow. Worry is a weed, but faith is a seed. There's a seed that you're going to sow. And I I was on that walk when I was seeing the budlier. I was walking, I was seeing the budlier. Lord, speak to me. I was walking, I was seeing the budlier. Lord, speak to me. He said, Ryan, I want you to invite your children today. You're my children. You're not my children. You're God's children. Invite God's children to sow a seed of faith today that will break them free from worry. I want them to sow a seed of faith today. This is not about how, this is not about revival fires getting an offering. This is about you saying, I am aligning my treasures in heaven. I'm aligning my priorities in heaven. And I want you, Ryan, to go and grab some seed because there's going to be people in the church who need seed. So I went, I was feeling very proud of myself. I was remembering this testimony. I thought, God, I'm going to get a whole bunch of five-pound notes. And God spoke to me, and he said, Ryan, has your faith gone through inflation like the world has? That was 18 years ago, and you want to get five-pound notes? Ooh, I love it when God speaks to me. I said, okay, God, I'm going to double it. I've got 10-pound notes here because I want you to know that there is a seed. And in a little while, we are going to bring a seed of faith. Even as I'm talking to you right now, get your envelopes out. This is, like I've said, what are you going to do to set yourself up today for the future that God is calling? What are you going to do today to break free from the worry? And I want you to write on your envelope, seed of faith. You might even write in it the things that you're wanting to see shifted. You might be wanting to see healing shifted. Sickness shifted. Write that. You, want, you might want to see houses. I know there's people in here, you're praying for houses, for children and for families. Write that. This, there is a grace on this. The things that we are worried about in our future, God wants to shift it. And there's some of us today who might not even have any seed. I want you to know that there is seed in this house. Anna, do you want to just put these on the front of the stage? Because I need to keep talking. Just distribute those on the front. It's on the side ready. There is seed. There's some people today you say, Ryan, I don't even have seed to sow. I want you to know God has got seed for you here. There is seed for the sower. There is no shame. There is nothing you need to worry about. This is my offering to the Lord. And I want you to come and grab it and say, there is seed in this house. There might even be people here as well today. Listen to me. You knew what it was to be a tree of faith. But life has come, regrets have come, worries have come, and you feel like things have been cut off in your life. You feel sometimes like you're just a stump. I want you to know that yet at the scent of water, a stump will bear root again. I read it even in Isaiah 11. It says that there is a stump of Jesse. I want you to know that you might have had faith in the past. You might have had things that was built up in your life. And today you feel like sometimes it's just a stump. Things have been cut off in my life at the scent of water. Let this message be a scent of water to you today. Let this message be a 
that very thing that triggers the stump of Jesse. What was the stump of Jesse? It's this. It's Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus Christ is moving in your life. Jesus Christ is here. That at the scent of water, it will spring forward. And there might also be those of us here today who have worked these things out in our lives. And God has been so faithful. I don't, don't miss today because there's a new level of faith for you as well. It's for you to say, Jesus, I'm bringing a seed of thankfulness as faith for my new season. There is all those things included. God doesn't want any of us to miss out. And I just want to end with this. I really, I really want to read this to you, friends. It's from the book of Malachi. Because these are some of the things that can cause worry in our lives. These are some of the things that we allow to enter in, and they cause that tree to be, to be cut down, for the stump to come, as it were. And God says in Malachi 3.10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this. Test me now in this. Now, today is a day for sowing seed, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you a blessing until it overflows, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, said the Lord of the nations, and all, said the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, and you will be a delightful land. There's even some, some of us, friends, that we've created a stump in our lives because we've cut ourselves off from what the Word of God asks us to do. Today is an opportunity to bring a whole tithe. If there's things that we've even forgotten in our lives and we've stopped sowing, we've stopped putting that seed of faith because we've focused on what we don't have or will we have enough, and we've shifted, as I preached to you, our eyes from the kingdom of heaven and the treasures in heaven to what the world says and the kingdoms of the world. It's created in us a place where worry and regret can form. But today is a day where we say to regret, I end you. Today is a day where we say to worry, I end you. And I want to invite you. Let's bring a seed that completes our devotion, that completes in our lives a pattern that God has called us to, a pattern of faith. And I want you to say with me, with this seed, I defeat the weed of worry. With this seed, I plant faith for my future. With this seed, I remove regret from my life. With this seed, I align my life with the treasures of heaven. With this seed, I advance into the glorious plan God has for my life. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.